I am Citizen 44. This show is being sponsored by Phoenix, Oregon, the movie. We're all living in a simulation. Some alien race out there using our misery for entertainment. How's the comic book going? It's languishing unfinished. You don't have time because you're working your ass off at Kyle's terrible restaurant. 359, Bob, cutting it close. You should be grateful that you have a job. Grateful. Maybe I'll join you. <laughs> I feel like I'm 14 again. Drawing comics and needing a ride home. <laughs> close your eyes for a minute. I want you to visualize what you'll be doing 10 years from now. Are you serious? I think you've lost your mind. No, you're not visualizing it, Bobby. Come on, close your eyes. Don't close my eyes anymore. I feel like an idiot. You could roll. I remember. It's completely useless talent. Rising Phoenix. Come for the pizzas. Oh, my God. Stay for the bowling. Your aliens made you do that strike. It's my destiny, Bobby. I know it is. Imagine being an owner, drawing your comics whenever you want. Oh, man. Serious? That's what I'm talking about. Bobby? My partner, Carlos, makes this delicious dough with his hands. Yes. I got 300 scores before, but nobody ever put my pictures in the papers. You should enter our grand opening tournament. You haven't even seen me roll, Huffy. You haven't seen the action on my ball. Mario put his money in too. He has a right to ask questions. I'm his proxy. I've been helping you. For months. He's been helping Mario. You are a paranoid little child. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what to say, Theo. Leaving a lot of money on the table. Nice going. You're going down. Not your fault. Well. It's not my fault, then it's Tanya's. If it's not Tanya's fault, then it's the aliens. You need to take care of yourself, Bobby. I am fine. I am a grown woman. These could be the best years of your life. Do you realize that? Visualize. This is what I live for, Hoffy. Frame 10. These two geniuses are opening up a pizza parlor slash bowling alley. It's classy. Phoenix, Oregon. Hi, Mom. How are you, darling? I'm swell, thanks, Mom. How are you today? I'm well, thank you, too. Did you have a nice Mother's Day yesterday? Yes, I did, thank you. Thanks a lot for being my mom, and thanks for the birth. Thank you for being my son. That's very sweet. It's about you, not about me. Oh, yeah. What did you do for Mother's Day? We went to Rachel's. We had brunch. What'd you have for brunch? Lunch. What'd you have for lunch? Mexican food from her favorite Mexican restaurant, Denny's. Denny's? D-E-N-N-Y-S? No, no, no. Be like it, but. But? Be like but? Right. How was the food? It was very good. Mark, talk to you afterwards. It's Kaiser calling me. Okay. Hi. Who is this? This is uh, your old man. I want to ask you something. What? Tell me the truth. Is Sham's room a pigsty? Are you asking, is it a pigsty in general? Yes. Yes, it is. I guess because we're going to sleep in there. It won't be that way when you're in there. Don't worry about it. The room will be absolutely appropriate for you to sleep in. 
Okay. I'm the King O'Clean. How you feeling today, Dad? Uh, this morning wasn't too good. I didn't quite make it to uh, the restroom. Uh-oh. So I had to pee in a bottle. Were you on the freeway peeing in the bottle? No, I was at Kaiser Park in the uh, parking area. I had to go so bad I couldn't make it to a bathroom. Oh, boy. And you wouldn't pull a Jerry Seinfeld? What's that? There's an episode where he has to go to the bathroom really bad. He's telling Kramer, I am not doing it in this public parking lot. And Kramer's like, don't be such a wuss. Just do it. So he does it, and he gets busted by security. Oh, I had a water bottle, and the opening so small that I had to aim for the opening. Uh-oh. And I got most of it in, but still. Welcome to Flavor Country. Whatever. Good job, Dad. Did you already do your podcast today? I'm working on it right now. Danny Canada from 102.7 The Drive here in the Rogue Valley. Yeah. And gentleman driver, Mr. Reese Myers. He's a 58-year-old race car driver. You're kidding. Nope. 58 years old, just about to go pro after driving as an amateur for 30 years. Wow. Those guys are on the show, show number 68. That's what's going on right now. Wow. Wait, 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 wait. Let me try this. Okay. Hey, everybody. Mark Ahrensberg here. Welcome to Citizen 44. This is show number 68. We got a double header today. We have Mr. Danny Canada, local DJ at 102.7 The Drive here in Southern Oregon. We also have Formula race car driver Reese Myers. Hey, it's Danny Canada's birthday today. Happy birthday, Danny Canada. He's 41 today. 41. I hope you have a fabulous day. Oh, Danny boy. What's up with the Canada thing? Born and raised. By the way, this is Danny Canada, one of those radio personality type morning drive time people here in Medford, Grants Pass, Klamath Falls, Ashland, and Roseburg. How long have you been over there at Opus Broadcasting? Uh, it's just been a year. Where were you before that? Before that, I was at Radio Medford Group. What's that? Exactly. Okay. How do you like working over at Opus? Love it. It's been great. My daughter and I were driving to check out UFO, and we were listening to you live. She was driving, and I thought, I'll send you a message over Messenger while you're doing your show and see if you even respond to me. And I booked you on the show. She was so impressed that you played along between you talking about how much you dislike Tuesdays, and (laughs) there was some other crazy story you were talking about old people. We're all going to get there. Do you want to be 80? Well, yeah. Dad only made it to about uh, 70. He passed in 2017. One beautiful thing, when my first daughter was born, talking about daughters, looking at her in the glass, I leaned over to my dad and said, hey, what do you think, being a grandpa? He said, Daniel, never thought I'd make it. That was a pretty bad impression. His parents were dead before I was even born. 
I do the broadcasting for Table Rock Sports as well as the morning show for 102.7 The Drive. I do that every morning, so if you're listening now, thanks for listening. Love the fans. You're a funny cat. You're having a good time. You can tell that you enjoy the work. How big's your audience? It's hard to gauge radio, but I'd say probably 25, 30,000. 6 to 10, is that your shift? 6 to 10 a.m., Monday to Friday. It's classic hits, all the stuff everyone knows. Getting ready in the morning, get your day pumping with familiar stuff. That's the kind of music that my dad listened to growing up. So when I was growing up, that's what my dad listened to. That sort of 70s, 80s rock. It even goes into the 90s, my show. I also do 10 to 3 on Hot 98.9, and that's what all my daughters listen to. Trapped right in the middle between two awesome genres of music. So it's kind of fun. How much do you love your job? I wake up in the morning, I'm there at 5.30. I'm there by myself, turn the lights on. It's just a good way to wake up. You were born in Canada? Born and raised, yep. Just outside Toronto in a city called Mississauga. What year was that? 78. What was your dad doing back then? He was selling compressor parts. And what was your mom doing? Stay at home. And then she got into banking. Back then, she would work nights processing checks. It was tight, they worked hard, you know, they hustled. Brothers and sisters? Two little brothers. I got one, he's two years younger, and one who's 12 years younger. Big jump. My parents took us out to a restaurant. I was like 11. And they were like, what's one thing everybody in this room has in common? And me and my nine-year-old brother were like, I don't know, they're all human? (laughs) We don't know. They said, they were all born, and we're gonna have another kid. We were like, all right. And then another little brother. Joshua, and I used to call him Junes, that's his nickname. I called him Junes his whole life, so if you ever hear this, Junes, shout out, bud. What about your other brother? Simon. Simon. And then I'm Daniel. Mom and Dad were born and raised in Manchester, come over to Canada. I was born in Mississauga, and then raised in a town called Burlington. Did your dad have a pretty heavy English accent? Oh, yeah, deep one. He's from Manchester, so is a Mancurian accent, very thick. When did your family come this way? It's just me, they're still up there. Well, Dad, you know, he's up there. Up right, up there. Yeah. And Mom's still around? Mom. Still yeah. banking? Uh, nope. Mom's chilling. And your brothers are there, too? Brothers are there. What yeah. are they doing? One of them's a banker, kind of, sort of. He works in mortgages. And then my other brother, I think he runs a coffee shop. The little dude, Junesy. So how old is he? 41. You're an actor, too, right? Yep, do some of that. I saw you're doing some scary movie, The Roomies. Is that coming out at the film festival? It is, yeah. My other movie in the Ashland Independent Film Festival, it's called Where There's Smoke, about the fires that we had last summer. It's a love story intertwined with a joke about this crew that's coming to town to do a documentary about the smoke. A documentary about a documentary. It was a fun project we did that last summer. Shout out to Kirk McKenzie, the director for both of those movies. Is Mick Windows in either of these? No. Do you know her? Yeah, I know Meg. Meg and I have been friends on Facebook for a long time and never really worked together. And we knew each other from events and just being out. And then finally we worked together a couple of times in 2017 and a whole bunch of times afterwards. Kind of funny. We did a show together at Camelot Theater. What yeah. was the show? That was All My Sons. I did two there, The Foreigner and All My Sons. I did All My Sons in the fall. And you know Gary Lundgren, who I share office space here with, right? Yeah. How do you know Gary? Uh, I took Gary's script writing class, and then I've worked with him on a bunch of projects here, commercials and different things, and then I've worked with Annie too. He it's had great. nice things to say about you. That's really yeah. cool. I had a great time in his class, and because it's a small community like this, you know, the day job's the radio, because I got the fam. You can't make a living being an actor. Unless you work OSF. That's a good one. Down south, and I don't want to do that. Not now. Even when the kids are gone, and me and Mama get bored, and... And you have one or two daughters? Three. Are you a good kid in school? No. Where'd you go to school? I went to a school called St. Mark's on Upper Middle Road. That's the road my school was on. It was outside Toronto, upper middle class. Everyone worked in Mississauga, Toronto area. They called it Sleepy Town Burlington. 
Were you in sports? Yeah. I was in the drama class, did school plays, but I also played football. You're a popular guy? Yeah. I had friends in all groups. I had drama friends that were a little weird and crazy. You know, we went to McDonald's or different fast food places in our makeup when we were on break, you know, it'd be weird. And then uh, I played football. I was a slot receiver. I didn't play a whole lot, but I'd get out there, make some catches, make some moves, you know. I'm a little guy. Back then, I was about a buck thirty or something, but I was fast. Get out the ball a couple yards, go. If I could make a move, great. If not, I'd get hammered. And that's kind of what stopped me from doing football. I was like, okay, two years of that. And I played before high school. I played on a team called the uh, Stampeders, and they would travel around to different cities. I quit football. Sticking with drama. You're inside. Middle of winter. It's fucking cold up in Canada, man. Being a receiver, we didn't throw a whole lot. I did uh, punt returns and things like that, too, but... I stuck with drama, and it seemed to be better. <laughs> did you graduate high school? Yes, but not when I should have. How long did it take you? Well, this here's a funny story. I've never told anyone this on air before. Auto mechanics class. Our teacher, Mr. Winston. Great fucking A asshole. Great fucking A. He was bragging one time about all the money he makes off of us from having people bring all their shit in and do oil changes, tire rotations, brake jobs, all that kind of shit. He was flashing the cash one time in class, and I said, that ass break comes, I sneak back, find the briefcase, and nab it. Me and my buddy take off. We go to a different city, break open this briefcase, there's 238 bucks in there. We're 15, fucking 8 dude. I'll take that. So we ditched the briefcase over the cliff, threw it down this fucking hill. It's gone. We're like in the forest somewhere. And it was a different city. And we're heading west. So it goes Toronto. Beside that's Mississauga, where I was born. Beside that is Oakville. Beside that's Burlington. This is all right along Lake Ontario. And then you keep going you get down into the states so back into burlington teacher comes up to me come with me takes me down the principal's office there's cops there waiting for me i know you took my briefcase <laughs> i'm like fuck you i didn't fucking take shit so the cops go out to my buddy's car that we took and they search the whole car they go to my locker first nothing there obviously i'm gonna take my fucking briefcase your buddy and right. put it in my locker you idiot that's why you got the money taken from you <laughs> i took the cash and i stuck it in the speaker of the door so as the cop was searching through the car He's putting his hand on the speaker. I'm like, oh boy, here it is. Heart starts pounding. Nothing. Couldn't prove anything. So. What did you buy with the money? Whole lot of hoots. Whole lot of who? A lot of hoots. Hoots? Hoots, yeah. Yeah. Oh, marijuana? Well, hash was what I was into back then. Ah. Yeah. So high school was fun for you? Fucking A. Oh yeah. I loved it. It was a Catholic school, so we had to wear a uniform. It was Notre Dame. So St. Mark's, Notre Dame. Two schools, my whole thing, right? Couldn't wear white socks. I had to wear black shoes, gray socks, or black socks, gray pants, white shirt for boys, or to wear a vest or a sweater, green. It was gray, green, and white. So, three credits left, I'm out. I don't want to go to school no more. Stop going. Started working on a car wash. That was fun. Buddies would come by, wash their cars, we'd hang out. I lived at the house, so the basement was mine. I had a bedroom down there, and then like a little living area with a fireplace. I uh, took off in 98, did some acting, traveled around the US. That's where I met my wife. Went back, got married, went back to Canada. Like, before we move to the U.S., I should probably get my diploma. So I called up my guidance counselor, and it was July, and I left a message. I want to get my diploma. I'm at work. She called me back. She says, well, I'm just about ready to go to my cottage up north. That's what you do in Canada. You're the cottage up north, eh? That's what you do. So I said, all right, well, uh, if I can get down there, can you give me what I need to graduate? She's like, sure. So I ripped down to the office. She gave me a stack of books and said, you complete all this with a passing grade? You'll have your diploma. When I'm moving to the U.S., I want to get this done. So that's what I did. It took me from July to end of September. So it was about six weeks, maybe. That was 96 when I should have graduated. So we're talking like a 20-year span. Wow. <laughs> Dude, 
at home on the computers. These kids can blaze right through it. Create your own stuff. Like this. This is what you gotta do now. And I think school should be way more focused on hands-on. My daughter goes to Crater High School in Central Point, right down the road from where I live. I live on the same road as the high school. It's awesome. It's really cool, Mark. They got biz, which is uh, business and innovation. That's what their focus is. Science, business, that kind of stuff. They have one that's called CAPS, which is geared towards community service. And one that's uh, Renaissance, and that's more of the arts. So you get to choose what you want to focus on. A lot of hands-on. They make stuff. Classes where you're actually making the products, and then you're learning how to sell it. What's your favorite show of all time? We're talking Stranded on an Island? Yeah. Seinfeld. While I was waiting for you, I was watching Seinfeld. Get out! I was watching the second part of The Boyfriend with Keith Hernandez. <laughs> Every Tuesday, around 7.05, 7.10, somewhere in that range, on my morning show, I do things I've learned from Seinfeld. Yada, yada, yada. Monday is things I learned from Judge Judy. Tuesday is things I learned from Seinfeld. Wednesday is things I learned from movies. And Thursday is things kids learn from cartoons. Hmm, I like that. All these things are at about 10 after or so, somewhere in that quarter after. What is the most important lesson you've learned from Seinfeld? Don't eat junior mints in a hospital operating room. Who's gonna turn down a junior mint? That's good advice, but I don't know if that's something to hang your hat on for leading the rest of your life. Well, it could change someone's life. Okay. What's yours? The opposite. If whatever you're doing oh, is not one. working, do the opposite. Do the opposite. Yes, I do like that one. Have you tried that? Are you kidding me? Anybody who comes up to me who is having difficulty in their life, do the opposite. You will get a different result. Yeah. Larry is a genius. Oh, brilliance. Yeah. I was doing commercials up there in Canada. I had an agent and I was doing some studio studying, some of the top studio classes there. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to keep focusing on acting. I love it. And my mom says, hey, the church needs some actors. Do you want to go and help them? And I'm like, Ma, come on, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that, Ma. She's like, well, they need some help. They want to do a Christmas play. And there's a girl there. I and mean, here I am now out of high school. It's about a year since I've been at school. So uh, she's just trying to get me to focus something. So I'm like, okay. This chick's name was Devin. She's super cool. So we start writing, producing, and directing, and getting this Christmas thing together. And then her family moves to a different city. <laughs> so I'm stuck there, trapped. So I'm like, all right, I'll bang this out. It was a fun little Christmas play. And after that was over, they asked me if I wanted to do the sound mixing Sunday mornings with the band and shit. So I'm like, well, that sounds kind of cool. I was going to raves, Mark. So I'd get on the bus or go down with buddies in cars and we'd be down there Saturday night. I'd come home Sunday morning. Mom would take me to church. <laughs> then a little bit later that August, so we're talking the Christmas play about August, this drama team comes through my church. And they're like, hey, we travel around and do drama. So I went and did that two years all over the US. And what did you perform? Messages about Jesus. It was like Saturday Night Live where you go up for five minutes and do a little sketch and stuff. And so we did a bunch of those. And we go to churches and youth groups and schools and we go to prisons. That was fucking cool. Nursing homes. We had a home base. It was in Cleveland, Tennessee. We'd write a bunch of different skits and practice skits. We'd have a team of about five to seven people. And then we'd go out on the road for about three months and we'd go to a specific area. In the summertime, we'd go north. In wintertime, we'd go south. People at the home base would book where we'd go and we would go to all the different areas and do all these skits. And then come back, switch it up after three months, go back out again. So we would come back and forth like that for three months. My wife and I were on three-month tours, as we called it. So basically from January all the way to about August. And we just became best friends. So that was it. Asked her to marry me three months later. So the end of that year. And then we got married a year later. Three daughters. How old are they? Almost 15. She's going to be 15 on the second. She does pole vault. She's got her first meet on Tuesday. She does uh, the long jump, high jump. She goes, I like track and field, Dad, but I don't want to run. <laughs> 
I'm gonna focus on the field, Dad. I wanna jump. She's bugging me to drive. We live on the same road as a high school, so I let her drive to practice and home today. How'd that go? Perfect. How old are the other ones? The other one's 13. She's uh, grade seven. The other one's eight. She'll be nine. Grade three. You will have three teenagers at the same Just. time. Holy shy balls. <laughs> That's gonna be really fun for you. Oh, it's a party now, brother. It's like a sitcom in my house. Have you ever watched Last Man Standing with Tamela? No. Okay, well, he's got three daughters. That's what it's like in my house. It's just crazy. I was doing a commercial here in Ashland. I was on a bike and I wiped out. I was like, ah, oh, fuck, my shoulder fucking hurts. We're all laughing. I'm watching the replay on the camera. Push the bike back up to the top of the hill. Then uh, one of the guys was like, how's your shoulder? I'm like, that hurts, man. He's like, one time I was doing handstands on the beach and I dislocated it. It popped in and popped out. And he's like, maybe that's what you did. I'm like, yeah, maybe. It just kind of hurts. So I finished filming that day. The next day I go back. That afternoon we're bouncing around in a Jeep. And I'm driving, so I'm shifting with my right hand. It's a manual Jeep. Then we're doing some running through the hills. The next day we're doing cliff jumping and whitewater rafting. That was Thursday. Friday I woke up. It was killing me. So I went and worked a whole day. My daughter had tripped over something earlier in the week, and <laughs> she'd been hurt and moved her toe. And I said, babe, let's go to the clinic. Come on. So we go to the clinic, and she had broken her toe. I'd been walking around for a couple days with a broken toe, and I had broken my collarbone. Canadian tough there. So we come hobbling home. She's got this brace on. I got this sling on. My wife's like, oh my gosh, what happened to my babies? How did you decide you wanted to go into this whole radio DJ thing? One of the girls that I was traveling with in that drama company, she was from Alabama originally and uh, she was in radio. Her name was Alicia. So when Facebook kicked off around 2008 or whatever, we hooked back up, found her on Facebook, great pals. She got into radio. She's like, oh, Danny, you'd love it. Such a fun gig. And I was like, hmm, I never thought about doing that. I got a degree in law enforcement, criminal justice. I wanted oh. to be a cop. Living in California, I was a 911 operator for California Highway Patrol, and uh, I can't type, so they fired me. That was in 2010. So I got fired, and I'm like, oh, what am I gonna do? Then I had got the bug. So my friend Alicia was the one who got me into radio. In 2010, I'm like, yeah, that radio sounds fun. That'd be a great gig. The town I was living in, Bishop, California, that's where the 911 center was, Bishop, California, Eastern Sierras, beautiful spot. I uh, found the guy that did the sports there. He asked me on his show, he did a sports show, and it was right during the Olympics. So I was talking Canadian Olympics, you know, being born and raised in Canada, you know, he had the U.S. Olympics on and we were chatting and talking about football and different stuff. And then he called the football games on the radio. So one of the color guys couldn't make it one day, so he reached out to me and said, hey, you want to come call the game with me? So I said, sure. So we went on, I called the game. First football game I ever call, the city loses power. Stadium goes black. Now we're still live because we're through a telephone line and then the station was run by a generator. So it's still going. So we're filling air for about 45 minutes. We just had to banter back and forth and it was crazy, my first experience. I'm like, fuck, I love this. This is kind of where it grew from there. So yeah, mom was from Northern California. We settled here, man. Her parents had a place up in Myrtle Creek. That's where we lived when we moved here. And uh, her sister lives in Wairika now. Her parents just moved to Medford. So it's kind of like, you know, we were right in the middle. When we moved here, I was selling cars, worked for Crater Lake Mazda. And I say Mazda, I thought it was Mazda. Well, you know, I say funny words because I'm Canadian. And so I started doing these commercials. But today the Canadian from Crater Lake Mazda, hey, we got some great specials going on. Why don't you come on down here and take a look, you know, just like crazy, Doug and Bob McKenzie. And uh, I just started going to the radio station and doing commercials. I'm like, I fucking love this. So we'd write them with whatever special we were doing that month, you know, car specials, they always change. And uh, yeah, it was a blast. I got fired from the car dealership. Did you hear about this guy up in Ohio that's uh, living on beer right now? No. Okay, so for Lent, he gave up everything, and he's just drinking beer. Yeah, and this guy, I got him on my Facebook, we're friends, I saw this, I, I messaged him, we've chatted, I'm gonna probably have him on my radio show. This guy said, all right, back then, the 1600s or whatever, the monks would brew this really thick, hearty beer, 
this box style German beer, yeah. and, and that would be their liquid bread. That's what they would call it. Oh. They would be fasting for, for Lent, right? And so he's like, I'm gonna try it. Guy's losing weight, he's drinking water and beer. That's what right. he's doing. He's not eating. And he's drinking about five, I think, six beers a day or something like that. So, you know, he's just pacing himself. You're not getting hammered. Dude's losing weight. It's just an interesting thing to follow. He's got how, how long does he plan on doing this? Until Easter. Oh, yeah, okay. For Lent. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, for Lent. Yeah, so a couple more weeks. 40 days, right? I don't know. You're asking a Jew. <laughs> Lent is something you get out of the dryer. You're out of your fucking belly button. <laughs> In your toes. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's Lent. Lent. So uh, that's the plans, dude. Just uh, hanging out here, you know, having fun. Well, we're glad to have you, and it's cool that we got to connect a couple yeah, of times. Absolutely. And I really appreciate you driving all the way to Ashland to do the show, even though you got lost. <laughs> do I need to help you get back to your car? Uh, maybe. We'll go for a walk. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate yeah. it. Right on. See you later. Yeah, bud. Take care. You too. Hey, Reese. How's it going? Great, Mark. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. First, let me say thanks so much for doing the show. I totally appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. You're in Florida? I'm actually in Pennsylvania, Mark, although I'm in Florida quite a bit on business. But uh, yeah, I'm back at home base right now and just had a simulator delivered. A lot of busy stuff going on right now. You had a simulator delivered? Tell me about that. Yeah. As you know, goals and aspirations are to partner up with Eric DeBoer who you're very familiar with. And to get to that level, you really have to stay on par all the time. You really have to keep your craft sharp. So I had a custom-made racing simulator that simulates all the major tracks in the United States and all the professional cars that are available out there. And it's just a way for me to keep my craft, you know, on point. You've talked about a simulator and racing. Derek DeBoer lives right here in Ashland, Oregon. He is a professional race car driver. He's been on the show, and you've been huddling up with him, and you're becoming part of the team he's with, correct? Uh, that is correct, Mark. There's a lot of moving parts when it comes to professional racing. I've been doing it on the amateur side for about 30 years, and much like Derek, decided to uh, give it a go a little late in life. I'm 58 years old, making my charge into professional racing, and that's how I met Derek. Actually, I met him through Fastlight TV. I just happened to see the TV show, and I reached out to him. I'm not a shy guy, and it was much my story. I reached out to Derek, and um, we caught up at Virginia International Raceway, and we got to know each other a little bit. The rest is history. I've been following Derek. I was at CODA this past month at the first Pearly World Challenge as a guest of TRG. In fairness, I did have a relationship with TRG Racing several years before I think Derek was even involved in that team. I was offered a drive with them several years ago, but as in everything else, Mark, timing just wasn't right. I had two children in school and preparing for college, and life happens. We're talking about TRG, the racers group, and this is the team that Derek DeBoer races for. Yeah. I had met Kevin Buckler in the TRG several years ago. We actually met in New York City for the unveiling when they became a Aston Martin team, which as you're aware now, they've gone back to Porsche. Racing is ever-changing. It's an always evolving sport. A lot of influences go into getting a driver with a team like that. There's a lot of funding. I'd be what they consider a gentleman driver, Mark. A gentleman driver is somebody that obviously has the skills but doesn't necessarily have the backing, you know, the big corporate money. Obviously, Reese Myers is not a household name, so I'm having to do this all on my own. Hence the simulator. A baseline pro simulator like mine is probably in the $20,000 range. 
then it's probably about 5000 a weekend that I spend out of my own pocket just to stay relevant in the amateur series. So you can understand it's quite an expensive venture for me and I'm in the process of having a lot of people out there in my corner really trying to get me funding. I was just given a opportunity to drive a Formula F1000, which is a little higher level race car than what I'm driving right now, which is a prototype WR1000. For your listeners, it's more of a full-bodied open cockpit car, but I'm going back into open wheel. The car that I'll be driving this year is a open wheel, almost like a, an Indy car, but a, a little smaller than an Indy car. Reese, tell us how you got started in the racing game. Mark, it's interesting. I've been around racing my whole life. My father, when he was younger, prior to kids, was a team driver. You know, he made his way up the ranks through go-karts and dirt tracking and all that back in the 50s. And then in the 60s, he actually had the opportunity to become a factory driver for Jaguar and was in Le Mans, France, driving for them. And then the Vietnam conflict came about. And the backstory on this was my grandfather was a brigadier general. So uh, my dad's playing days of driving race cars were over. So he went to flight school. He had to give up his career in racing to fight for the freedom of our country, which we're all very proud. Things happen for a reason. And he ended up being a helicopter pilot. He flew two tours in Vietnam highly decorated and couldn't be prouder of my father. He's since passed, but he did get to experience that. And I think that's where I've got my love and my absolute passion for the sport. I became a helicopter pilot as well. I was a corporate pilot for about 23 years as a chief pilot. Always had a love for racing. So during that time frame, I did a lot of amateur racing myself in open wheel Formula 2000 race cars. It's my time now, I've paid my dues. Both my children are in college, so I decided, hey, why not me now? That's what brought me here. Where exactly did you grow up? Mark, I was a military brat. I was born in Kansas. My dad was at flight school. We immediately got relocated to Hawaii. Lived in Hawaii for three years and then uh, Germany. But most of my adult life was stateside in Pennsylvania. What was your mom doing while your father was in the service? Trying to keep control of three boys. That's a full-time job, believe me. The stories we could tell you. We went through several babysitters. When we lived in Hawaii, my oldest brother decided he was going to be Superman because he was watching it on cartoons. So he went up on the second floor of our home in Hawaii that ordered a dull pineapple grove. And we had carte blanche to any pineapples we wanted. So he decided he was going to put a Superman cape on and go up out on the balcony and throw pineapples at people when they were walking by. You can just imagine what my mother had to go through. A lot of people don't realize what it takes to be a race driver. They think you don't have to be an athlete. Then they actually jump in a race car, even as a passenger, and do a lap and very quickly realize the amount of energy it takes just to keep your body in the seat. It's amazing how athletic the sport has become. And, you know, at my age, Mark, waking up in the morning, sometimes uh, something's hurt that I don't even know exists. I go to the gym six days a week, try to do an hour to an hour and a half. And that's difficult with my travel schedules. I travel as a sales manager in a telecommunications company in California. So I have a lot of responsibilities outside my hobbies of racing, but you really have to stay fit. Your body is part of the race car. It's really a balance. So when you're not racing and you're not working, what are you doing? 
I'm a big skier. I love snow skiing. I was a competitive skier as well when I was younger. Right now, that's gotten a little difficult because, again, timing and work life. I have two beautiful children, two girls. One is out of state at Coastal Carolina in South Carolina near the beach. And the other one is in college in Pennsylvania, Kutztown University. So anytime I'm home, we're usually going to see one of them because that's really important to me making sure that my priorities are correct. And frankly speaking, my priorities are my family before anything. Pretty interesting. You come from a family of three boys, and then you didn't produce any of those. It's funny, Mark. My girls are only the second and third girls in five generations of our family. My oldest brother has two boys and one girl. He obviously had the first girl in five generations, and everybody thought it was hilarious when I had my two girls. I was preparing myself for boys, and uh, I got girls. That's what you get for preparing. Exactly. Are you still a married man? Yes, I am. I'm very happily married. It's funny how opposites attract. She's not really into the speed. She would normally come to the racetrack, watch me practice, which is when you don't want to watch a race driver because that's where you find out what the limits on the car is. So when it comes qualifying, you don't make that mistake. So she would always show up when I was spinning. And again, this was open wheel cars, so it looks a lot worse. You're talking about a car that can go 180 miles an hour and seeing that spinning down the road is never a good sight. But, uh, talk to any race driver they say at practice is where you find out what the limits of that track are and what the temperatures are and you try to make your mistakes at practice so when it comes qualifying time you figured out best of your knowledge what you can do with that track because every track is different every day is different so she's just now started coming to actual races again she's starting to enjoy herself i think a lot more how long you been married now 26 years We dated for eight years, and uh, literally, yes, that was me. I was that guy. We had a lot of time to get to know each other, and we've been together ever since and very happily married. Everybody has their own goals and objectives, and that's what I tell my children. Follow your dreams. Set goals. I've always been a car guy. I was that kid in grade school that had the Lamborghini Countach poster, white Countach with the red leather interior, and I stuck that in my wall, I remember, as a child and said, I'm going to have that car when I grow up. And it took a lot of years, but in my garage right now is a Lamborghini Gallardo convertible Spider. And again, I'm not a rich guy, but I saved for that car. My friends will tell you they never thought it would ever happen because I talked about it for like eight years. And then one day the truck came up and they dropped it off. I had it delivered from San Diego and had my friends over telling them that they had to help me unload a big oversized refrigerator. and. Surely enough, their jaws dropped when they saw what came out. They said, we never would have believed it. You talked about it a lot, but you did it. It might be a car for somebody. It might be surf lessons for another guy. I want to learn to surf when I get this age. It doesn't have anything to do with the financial end of it. 100% has to do with what is important to you. My oldest daughter that's at Coastal Carolina had said, well, Dad, you know, I think I might want to go after my master's. Okay, you just verbalize it, so put a plan together. But once you verbalize it, put a plan together and attack it, but make them attainable goals. Just like my racing, I'm making it attainable. I mean, there's no guarantees, but uh, if you verbalize it and you commit to it, somehow, some way, it seems to happen. And uh, I'm a firm believer in that, Mark. I just think you think big and you don't let the negativity bring you down because it's never going to be easy. You have to keep all the background noise out and stick to a plan. Have you wrecked any cars? Mark, turn 10 at Summit Point Raceway is about 100 to 105 mile an hour corner. And an F3 Formula car went by me, which is a higher class. It was uh, open practice. 
He came by my inside, took my ground effects away. When a car passes you at that speed, cars are basically airplanes, but reverse. They're creating downforce to suck you down to the ground instead of lifting you up in the air. So when a car comes in front of you, it takes the arrow effect away from your car. So he cut around me right at that turn. So when I went to turn in, my car now had less air. So it had less ground effects, less downforce. So I went straight through that turn, even though my wheels were turned at about 110 mile an hour into the sand, out of the sand, just hit the tire wall and bounced off and didn't really do a whole lot of damage, but it sent me airborne, which is amazing that there was no damage. Now that was the prototype car, the WR-1000. It's a single seater, but it has side pods and everything else. Uh, the wheels are covered with fenders. Never anything where I was ever injured. I'm very fortunate because those cars are somewhat dangerous because you get your open cockpit, your head is exposed. There is a roll bar behind your helmet. But they've come a long way, Mark, in safety. I mean, they now have the Hans device, which hooks on to your helmet that keeps your head from dislodging from your spine, dislocating your spine. Now they have hard points on these helmets that connect to the Hans device. They also have what they call a airbag system. It's called the eject system on the helmet that if you are in an accident, the paramedics can get to you, cut the straps from the bottom of your helmet off, plug their air injection system into the helmet, the airbag inflates on the top of your head and your helmet pops off without any kind of neck movement. In other words, the paramedic would not have to move your head or neck. It's much safer. And this may sound really crazy to you, uh, Mark, but some of the draw that I have toward racing is a little bit of danger. I'll be quite honest with you. If you talk to any Formula One driver who are the apex of drivers in the world, Part of the danger they don't want, it's so sterile that it's totally safe that there's no threat. I don't know what it is, maybe it's bravado, call it whatever you like, but part of the danger of the racing, and I think even Derek would agree with it, is the fact that not everybody wants to do this or can do it. Not that any of us have a death wish or a wish to get hurt, but you have to be on top of your game. And again, it's concentration and it goes beyond just physical effort. Any driver will tell you that the mental part of the game is as important as the physical part. You start taking the safety for granted, it opens up a whole new set of issues. I think the draw of having a little bit of that danger aspect is what keeps me and many others in this sport still loving the sport. Becoming confident and lax is when you make mistakes. I got to tell you, man, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Mark, I appreciate it and uh, keep up the great work. I'll continue to be a listener, and I'm sure you're going to have a lot more listeners because I've been talking a lot about your podcast. I think what you do is a great service. Thank you, Brother Reese. I appreciate you. Well, again, I appreciate it, Mark, and you have a great day. Thanks, Reese. You too. Thanks for coming on, man. that's the show i hope you enjoyed it i want to thank danny canada and reese myers for coming on and making this such a fun show i want to thank my mom and dad for throwing down at 80 still willing to come on the show and have fun with their son really appreciate that mom and dad much love to you citizen 44 with mark Ahrensberg is a listener supported presentation 
You can listen to all the shows and download them at CastBox, iTunes, and Stitchers. Please go to CastBox and become a subscriber. You can also listen to all the shows at Aaronsberg.com. A-R-I-N-S-B-E-R-G.com. This show is sponsored by Phoenix, Oregon, the movie. Phoenix, Oregon, the movie is now playing two more days in Portland, Oregon. That's today and tomorrow, the 15th and 16th, right there in Portland. And then on the 17th, Phoenix, Oregon, the movie, Gary Lundgren and his whole crew are coming back to Ashland for screenings here at the Varsity. So get your tickets, hurry up, go to Joma Films, that's J-O-M-A films.com for showtimes and to order your tickets. That's it. Great show. Super fun. Thank you so much. Really a pleasurable experience for me to create this presentation for you. As always, thanks again for listening. Take care. Bye-bye. To find out more about Reese Myers, check him out on Facebook. R-H-Y-S-M-Y-E-R-S. The All-American Morning Show with Danny Canada from 6 to 10 a.m. on 102.7 The Drive, Opus Broadcasting. Thank you, Sam, Zoe, and Val. If whatever you're doing is not working, there's only one way you can change that, and that's to change what you do, 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 change what you do. I am Citizen 44. Funny guy!